0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your host, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher.
1: Try as you might, there will always be people in your life that are a little bit unorganized. (laughs) From husbands, children, coworkers, (laughs) and students, what do you do with the people who are unorganized? In this episode, we will share how to help you, so that you can later
0: help them. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that when we listed example people that might be unorganized, husbands I love was husbands. first. <laughs> we may be speaking from personal experience; hard to tell. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Wendy. Wendy says, "Hi, ladies. Look, she fits in with us already. I know. I know. I love listening each week, and was hoping you could help me." I've always been a pretty organized person, but unfortunately, my new team teacher is far from Mm. organized. I feel like every planning session takes way longer than it should, and I'm constantly having to give her new copies of things we are using in class because she loses them. Please help me not lose my mind. (laughs) Oh my gosh, girl. I feel like this episode is definitely
1: made for you. And did we just create this whole episode because of this TSH? (laughs) Absolutely, we did. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think a lot of the things that we're going to be sharing in this episode is going to be perfect for you. Um, So just take notes. Michelle, I have no other thing to say, so help.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, it's everything we're going to go over in this episode. I think I just want to remind you, you're not alone. Again, this is something we all kind of struggle with, even if you are unorganized. I think you might find it challenging to work with people that are overly organized, right? Like us, because we tend to be very controlling. Mm-hmm. And so I think even if you are listening to this and you're like, this is about me, like they are, they are talking about me, just use this as an opportunity to maybe see it from the other person's point of view of how it affects, you know, like we both yeah. affect each other. Yeah. So that's all I have to add for now. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go ahead and start jumping right on in. So
1: here's the thing. They say that opposites attract. I mean, I don't really know who they are or even if they are right. But if you find yourself with a partner teacher or administrator or family member who are not as organized for you as as you are, then this episode is going to be for you. We're going to give you some strategies for dealing with those lovely unorganized people that we do love and cherish very much in your your life.
0: Very much so. And we just <laughs> want to throw out there we really struggled with this episode. We knew it was important to talk about because we have had experiences with bless them, unorganized souls and we know how much of a challenge it is, but it's also hard to give suggestions because ultimately we can't change people mm-hmm. nor should we, right? Because we all are different and that's for a reason. It's not that we want to make everyone as organized as we are, it's more so how do we kind of create this space where we can co-habitate together happily? <laughs> so yeah. we're going to do our best to offer some solutions. They definitely aren't perfect solutions, but they might help a little bit.
1: Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into tip number one. <clears throat> and I think this is going to be one of the most important tips out of all the ones that we are going to share. And that is to revamp your expectations. Now, you cannot expect yourself out of everyone else. If you are super organized, that's fantastic. That's great. But you have to accept that not everyone is the same way as you. If you have expectations in place that others will live up to your standards, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and it's ultimately going to end up in resentment towards that person.
0: Yeah. I recently heard on a podcast something called expectation hangovers. It's essentially where if you have very high expectations and then reality doesn't live up to them, it's almost like that time where you have to bring that expectation back down to the reality. And obviously that comes with a lot of like kind of disappointment. Yes. And that can be exhausting over time. It almost makes you feel like hung over, not that I've experienced that a whole lot in my life, but I've read enough to know what that feels like, just like the headache and the fatigue and all of the things. And so rather than constantly trying to set high expectations and then have to lower them, we want to work on just creating more realistic expectations. Before I share an example, Bridget is raising her hand. Yes,
1: because I know that this isn't in our notes, but
0: I am curious
1: as to your response. <clears throat> but you know that there are people out there and oh my gosh my voice is like all jacked up right at the moment
0: oh i love you teacher on the double sticker on that water you. bottle
1: <laughs> thank you thank so you Okay, but I know that know people tell you, hey, you need to almost envision or think about what is it that you want in your life, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you were to say, hey, I'm going to go into this meeting and this is what I'm going to expect out of it. Like here's kind of what I'm going to embody or hope that is like the final outcome of it because I want to channel that energy and say, hey, this is going to happen to me. How do you... Because I feel like that recently happened to me. Right. I went into this meeting thinking Mm -hmm. and saying, "Okay, here's what I want to get out of this. And I'm going to keep going until I get it. And it didn't end up that way. And so I felt that very much that hangover expectation, hangover experience where I went through about a day where it was like, oh, I feel very defeated at the moment. Like, how do you balance that? Or do you just always keep the expectations super low and you set the bar low, but then you fall into that trap of now I'm a negative Nancy and now I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this. It's not going to happen for me because
0: that's, you know, I feel like I go from one extreme to Mm -hmm. the other. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Here are my initial thoughts. And again, this is just kind of off the cuff. I think it depends on the situation and how much control you personally have over it, because we know you can only control so much and then certain things are out of your hands. I think if it's a situation where you are primarily in control and you want to set high expectations, great, go for it. But if it's a situation where very little is in your control, then it's not it's not, I don't want to say not smart, but it's maybe not in your best interest to set too high of expectations. Right. And you can also base it on prior experience. I think it's hard for something like a meeting if it's people you've never met with before, mm-hmm. you may not know how that's going to go versus like weekly collaborative planning meetings. If you know people and you know their patterns of, of behavior, rather than like always setting high expectations, it's like maybe you're going to set it just a little bit higher than it was the last time. And of course, I my mind goes to powerlifting as it does with everything, but I think about when I go into a meet to compete, I am in full control of my performance that day. I can make sure that I've gotten enough rest, I have the proper nutrition and hydration, and I can control what I can control, but I can't control how someone else is gonna perform. Right. And so when I go into that meet, I have expectations for maybe the numbers I wanna hit, but I don't want to have expectations for placing in terms of like, I want to get first place because at the end of the day, if someone else is stronger that day, then they're stronger that day. But I can control maybe the numbers that I personally put up. I can't control everyone else's numbers. That may not have even really answered the question. I mean, it but- does.
1: It, it does. Because you're, you're really looking at what is it that you have the ability to say like, okay, if I know, you know, I want to write that book, then I'm going mm-hmm. to write that book. I'm gonna put that mm-hmm. expectation out there. I'm gonna set that that bar for myself and I'm going mm-hmm. to live in that dream of I am an author versus thinking I can't do this, right? Whereas if you ha- don't have that control, it really does take a lot of that that expectation away. And it's like, okay, I need to go in this with like understanding the multiple possibilities that could end up happening so that I don't set my hopes up too high and think this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Because there is that possibility that it's going to either take, you know, this route or this route or this route. Like there's so many possibilities here and I almost need to be aware of
0: all of them. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying that, it made me think and this is because I'm coming from the perspective of I know I know the meeting you're talking about. Yes. So I have background knowledge that. Sorry, guys, we can't share that. Have, with you. But <laughs> I almost think then the expectations need to be around you rather than the situation right so for example going into that meeting having expectations for how you wanted to handle yourself present information etc. did et cetera, it I nailed it Right. And so then being proud of that and going, you know, I lived up to what yes. I wanted. It may not have resulted the way I wanted, but that's out of my control. So I think it's more about putting that if you're going to have expectations for something, making sure they're tied to things you can directly control, such as your own behavior and actions, mm-hmm. as opposed to those of the other people around you, because you can't control those. Yeah. Okay, sorry.
1: I took us on a You're totally fine. different route, guys. But I, I, you know, I think that was a really interesting perspective to to listen about those expectation hangovers because I think it's something that a lot of teachers deal with, whether it's with dealing with unorganized people
0: or in other situations mm-hmm. that they might have going on. Mm-hmm. But actually, that was the perfect transition going into my next little part. So then it becomes okay. But then, do I really need to like? revamp my expectations for other people. Like maybe I just shouldn't have expectations for them at all. So I think here's a, a little hack for you. Trade your expectations for appreciation when it comes to other people. Here is an example of that. Bless my husband, love him very, very dearly. And he does a lot to help me. However, when it comes to loading the dishwasher, he kind of drives me crazy. I yeah. recently saw a meme and it's like, in a relationship, one person loads it like a Swedish ar- architect, I think was the example it gave, and the other person loads it like a rabid raccoon. And I'm like, yes, that is very accurate. So I have very particular places that I like the different bowls and plates because I It's like Tetris, and I know the best way for them to fit together. Billy just puts them in wherever Billy wants to put them in. And I used to get annoyed by that and ultimately rearrange it. But I, by trading my expectations for appreciation, now it's just I'm happy he loaded the dishwasher, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy he took that step, even if it's not exactly the way – I would have done it, at least he loaded it. So I'm appreciating the action, even if it doesn't live up to like what that expectation would have been. And if he happens to load it correctly, that's just the icing on the cake. You know what I mean? Yes,
1: yes. And so if we go back to that whole idea of just revamping our expectations, we have to look for those little glimmers, the silver lining, the good things that we can see out of it. And so for Michelle, it's like, oh, Billy loaded the dishwasher. Yay. It's not exactly the way I wanted it to be, but I am thankful for that. Same thing with my husband. It's like getting him to like certainly like, house chores when I'm mm-hmm. at work. And it's like, oh, I will come home. And there are moments where he's like, oh, yay, he actually like made the bed versus saying, okay, it's not made right. Or you mm-hmm. did some of the dishes. You didn't do all of the dishes. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you helped me a little bit. So I don't have all the dishes that I have to end up washing by myself. You yes. can also really just make some concessions. You really have to look for ways to just let things go, especially for things that are not going to affect you. So a partner teacher's desk that can be a hot freaking mess, which I think that we have all been there. Listen, at the end of the day, that doesn't end up affecting you. As long as it doesn't bother or interfere with something that you need, just let it go. like Elsa, Mm -hmm. Anna, Elsa, let it go. (laughs) You know, you can maybe suggest some digital files, but then, you know, we do say like, go back and listen to episode 171 if you want to listen to like the pros and cons of digital versus paper files. But we're going to chat a little bit more about that in the next step.
0: Yes. So before we go into that next step, we're going to take a very quick break. And then when we come back, we will have tip number two for you. Wait, do you smell that? Um, I smell many things, most of which are coming either from my husband or dog, but I don't think that's what you're referring to. No, lady, definitely not. It smells like spring is in the
1: air, and with spring (laughs) comes
0: organization. Okay, I see what you did there. I do love me some good spring cleaning, and I also love a good spring closeout. You know, when stores are like, this is your last chance. Funny you say that
1: because this month is your last chance to grab the 2023 digital planners that run
0: from January to December before they are gone for good. We will be releasing the digital planners for the 2023-2024 school year in May, but if you would prefer to have a planner you can use now, this is your last chance. Plus, we're having a closeout sale so you can grab them for 15% off until the end of the month.
1: So head on over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to grab your digital planner before it's too late. And now back to the episode.
0: We're back and tip number two is to set up a system and teach them how to maintain it. A lot of times the hardest part of being organized is setting up the system. And if someone is not very organized, that may not be a strength of theirs. Like that may be a very daunting task. So you can help take this pressure off of that person in your life by setting up the system, but making sure you take time to walk them through how to use it. You can't just set it up and go, okay, I want you to use it. You need to model exactly what you want, explain the purpose, and then how it will benefit them in the future. So I go back to that dishwasher example. And if I literally show Billy like, hey, this is where I put the cat food bowls because they fill this space perfectly and I can fit exactly five across. Whereas if I put them in this other area, I can only fit four. (laughs) So when you walk them through the thought process and, and explain it, it can definitely help them understand and be more likely to use that in the future. And again, this isn't about always doing things your way. As Bridget mentioned, you sometimes have to make concessions. So consider how you could work with them instead of against them. So find ways to modify the system that will fit their current style, and yes, their style may be unorganized, but if that's their current habitual way of doing things, you're more likely to see success if you kind of work with that. So here's a a good home example for you. If someone in your home is constantly leaving their clothes on the bathroom floor rather than carrying them to the closet to put them in the hamper, maybe you move the hamper to that area of the bathroom where they're always putting their clothes, right? So then it's kind of win-win. The clothes are already in the hamper and you don't have to pick them up, but that person doesn't have to walk all the way to the closet in order to do it. So think about this step of setting up a system as almost like having that professional organizer come in and organize your home. (gasps) Obviously, it does still have to be maintained, but you setting up the system and possibly like cleaning things out for them, doing a little purging is going to give them the confidence they need to maintain it. And ultimately, We all want to be organized, at least that's what I think. I mean, I guess there are people out there who maybe don't, but for some people, I think it's more so the idea of organizing and cleaning from the beginning that makes it scary and overwhelming. So if you can take away some of that friction, they may be more likely to kind of stick with it. Yeah, definitely. So tip number three is to
1: have frequent check-ins. Be the accountability buddy even if they don't ask for it for the person that you want to be organized. You can create some time in your schedule to have a check-in and see how those systems that you help them set up in the beginning are going for them. Now remember, many people who struggle with anything where it happens to deal with organization, Are going to have behaviors and they don't want to admit that they're struggling with this. So keep that in mind. But by taking the initiative to just pop into their rooms, check in with certain tasks, or even help out with the systems that you've put in place, you're more likely to help them answer those questions or help them answer any of the questions that they do have and offer support than if they reached out on their own, because that's most likely not going to end up happening. Nobody likes to say hey i have a problem with this or i'm not really right. good at this. It, we just don't want to admit that. Right. But you can model the behavior of being vulnerable. This is always something really good. Is there something that maybe you can ask help for? And so by helping build that more i feel like it's more of an emotional relationship with that person when you're showing that vulnerability, maybe they would have that um those opportunities where they are like, okay, I am going to reach out to this person and say, hey, can you help me? Because I know that they're not going to judge me at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm, It does mm -hmm. make it less condescending if you're asking for help. So it might be a good, um, good to watch and see how much your, your help you're actually giving them as well. So there will be some of those who never ask and then there's gonna be people who will ask you all the time and they never stop asking you. And so you might wanna make sure and say, hey, I've already kind of done this part for you or say, I'm not able to do this. Maybe I can send you this where it's not taking up too much of your time because you certainly don't want to give all of that way or do the work for them. Because if you're doing that, they're not learning. So here are some other ways in which you can help to create some of those check-ins. So one, you can do some weekly emails. So you can send out emails with reminders for the team. You can do calendar alerts. um, like So create a shared calendar with alerts so that your team or your husband or whoever else in your life has a very clear understanding of what it is that you expect from them. And then you can also have to-do lists and you can create a shared to-do list that you can add to like throughout the week. And this is really going to help them come across and not like stop the nagging part of it. And it's going to help hold them accountable.
0: Yeah. Don't you love when you read or learn something new and then suddenly you start to see areas where it like pops up. I just had that moment with what you were saying about the vulnerability Mm because I recently was reading a book and the author was talking about how trust comes from vulnerability and because you want to trust that you're not going to be judged and so when you are vulnerable and you made a good point about like asking for help and it was saying how like really good leaders rather than just like assigning tasks to people they approach it as like who can help me with this right and people are much more likely to respond to that as opposed to being told what to do i agree Well, (laughs) tip number four is to secretly throw things away. So this is, you know, a little behind the scenes, but quick story, growing up my sister and I, which she's my half sister, so I guess it makes sense. We are polar opposites when it comes to organization because I loved keeping a clean room and purging things. And my sister had a very messy room and was almost a little bit of like a hoarder. And I don't use that word lightly. I use that word very, very accurately. And my dad would go into her room periodically and just fill trash bags. And I'm not even talking like your standard kitchen trash bag. I'm talking those big black like leaf bags, Mm -hmm. the massive ones. Those are huge. They're huge. He would fill them with all of the crap that was covering her floor because it was like McDonald's toys and just like random stuff that was not needed. He would fill it all up so that, you know, she could walk from the doorway to her bed and he would put it in our back like storage room so that it was out of sight. And she wouldn't even know that he went in there. Maybe this wasn't the best thing to do. I don't know. But he would wait until she would ask like, hey, I can't find this. Has anyone seen this? And he'd like go in the bag and find it and and give it to her. But if she didn't ask for any of the other stuff after a couple of months, he would just throw it away. And he had to in order to keep the space like livable. So sometimes you just have to take it into your own hands, literally, and get rid of things, especially if it is a shared space. As we have mentioned before, if this is someone's personal space, like a team teacher's desk in their classroom, let it be, not your business. But for example, I would always kind of reorganize our team Google Drive. We had a folder for the fourth grade team that we shared and put all of our stuff in there. And sometimes like random files would get created, like copies of Google Slides. They were never used and, or there were other duplicated versions of it and we didn't need it. It was just chilling in there. So I would go in and I would just clean it out. And honestly, no one ever mind people would be like, oh, it looks so much better. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if it is brought up have that honest conversation and explain why you got rid of things and then maybe offer a suggestion moving forward if it did bother them and like rub them the wrong way because i can completely understand where that would be the case right Then maybe your suggestion is, hey, can we create a system for this or maybe establish a time to go through these things together? What's funny is as soon as you start saying that like, oh, hey, well, then can we meet like once a month to clean this out? And people like, never mind, you just do it yourself. Right, right. I feel
1: like I do this a lot with my students who are unorganized. Like, I will throw a lot of their things away that's in their lockers or like Mm -hmm. I say lockers, it's like a cubby with a door. Yeah. But um. (laughs) Or I will do it in their desk because they just, they hoard, they're they little hoarders. They just yeah. want to hoard everything. So I will just, every once in a while, I'll just go through and clean it out. And they're like, oh, everything's so nice in here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I wonder who did that. <laughs> little dusk fairy over here. Um, okay, so the final tip that we have for you is to distribute tasks fairly instead of equally. Now, we talk about fair versus equal with our students all of the time. Equal is everyone getting the same thing, but fair is each person getting what he or she needs. So we can really adopt this same mindset with our unorganized counterparts. When it comes to team teachers, you can divide tasks in a fair way. So each person gets a task that he or she is really good at. So for example, organizing field trips, setting up lesson plan templates, preparing materials. As the organized person, you can take the tasks that require most of the organization because you're probably going to be way better at creating a system for it. Let's all just be honest here. So the task distribution may not be equal, but that's gonna be okay. And this might end up saving you some time because later on you won't have to spend time redoing those tasks that weren't done to the standard that you really had. So here's an example. So if you're remaking slides each week and then you offer to make the slides for your team and then have your team teachers just take over that task that you don't love, like making copies, right? Yes, you're doing a lot more work because you're creating the slides, but one, you know they're gonna be done right. You know, it's going to be done the way that you expect it and you won't have to go and do the copies and then try and remake the slides. Nobody has time for that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good suggestion. And I have found, I mean, I think I'm a creative person and I'm also organized, but I think there are are a lot of people who are maybe not organized, you know, in the sense that we think of organization. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to like brainstorming and having creative ideas, like They thrive in that environment, and so even giving someone the role of coming up with like those lessons and just kind of that out of the box thinking. Sometimes those type A people like myself need that because I am so structured, and it's like it must follow this role, making
1: like activities and lessons.
0: You're really good at it. Well, thank you for saying that, but it's I almost feel like I. I'm in the like safe creative box, but I don't expand beyond like sometimes those really creative ideas, they're like out there, but you know what I mean. No, I do. I do. I do. (laughs) All right, we are gonna recap those five tips for you. Tip number one was to revamp your expectations or maybe trade them for appreciation. Tip number two is to set up a system and teach them how to maintain it. Become that professional organizer to come yes. in and get them all set oh, up I would and build love their that. confidence. <laughs> right? Sounds glorious. Tip number three is to have frequent check-ins, whether it's through an email or a calendar notification, something like that, just to make sure that you know, you're know you keeping them on track. Tip number four is to seek throw things away and then tip number five is to distribute tasks fairly instead of equally. All right guys so we hope that you really
1: enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out our website teachingonthedouble.com for anything new that we have coming up and we would love for you to submit your TSH. You can do that just by clicking on the little tab up at the very top. Also, we would love if you have not already to subscribe to the podcast, guys. It's totally free. You get notified when we drop a new episode on Thursday mornings. It's gonna be right there on your podcast like inbox and you can immediately li- immediately listen to it once you wake up. We would also love for you to leave a review over on iTunes. It really does help us get into the ears of so many other teachers, and we just love hearing from you guys. It's it's so nice to hear your thoughts and what you're thinking about all of these podcast episodes. So until next time,
0: be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.